This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. What is your favorite fruit? Is it an apple, an orange, a pineapple? Or is it something more exotic, like a kiwi, a pomegranate, or a mango? According to one article, there are around 2,000 types of fruit around the world, but the West only eats around 10% of them. Many of the rest, most of the Western world have never even heard of. But when it comes to foreign fruits, John the Baptist introduces these Pharisees and Sadducees to some fruits that they had never encountered. As followers of Jesus, these fruits should abound in our lives, and they're worth our consideration today. Looking in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 3 today. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, John said to them, Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruits consistent with repentance. And don't presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children of Abraham from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I am not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff will burn with fire that never goes out. Matthew chapter 3 records John the Baptist's terse dialogue with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's unclear whether or not this is the same conversation that included the scribes and Levites in John chapter 1 from yesterday. This discussion in John 1 says specifically that the Pharisees had sent the scribes and Levites to inquire into John's baptism. Now, all of this backstory is important. These four groups mentioned here, scribes, Levites, Pharisees, and Sadducees, they represent the spiritual elites of Jewish society. They were the uncontested spiritual leaders of a Jewish culture steeped in their profoundly religious heritage. The Jewish nation was riding a wave of nationalism that arose during the time of Judas Maccabee, the son of the priest Mattathias. He led the people to revolt and overthrow the Seleucid Empire during the 400-year interim between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, these people were a proud nation, and these spiritual leaders were the proud leaders of a proud people. Their power had been threatened by this wide-eyed evangelist in the wilderness, baptizing Jews in the name of repentance. Decked out in camel hair and eating insects and honey, John's ministry was anything but conventional. And yet, of all the people God could have chosen to be the forerunner to Jesus, 
This unconventional prophet paved the way for the Messiah's entrance into the story. In the minds of the Jewish elites, John the Baptist's theology was as unorthodox as his preaching and his appearance. As we learned yesterday, baptism was a means of formal conversion from a pagan background into Judaism. It was the traditional means of admitting non-Jews who complied with Jewish law to ceremonial inclusion into the Jewish nation. But this John is calling people to repentance who were already Jews and inviting them to be baptized to publicly display that they were receiving the kingdom of God, which was, according to John, now at hand. No wonder these Jewish leaders felt threatened by John's preaching. They demanded by what authority John was doing this. Who had authorized this voice crying in the wilderness to call people to repentance and baptism? John the Baptist's scathing words must have infuriated them. He dislodges their pride in their Jewish heritage by telling them that God has the power to raise up Abraham's children from stones. In other words, though they prodded themselves in their Jewish heritage, God didn't need them. They felt entitled, essential even, because they were the Jewish cultural elite. But John the Baptist cuts right at the core of the issue, both literally and physically, when he tells them that the axe is at the root of their pride-filled tree and is about to be cut down. His solution, then, for them is to instruct them to produce fruit consistent with repentance. Laonida's Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament defines repentance this way, to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. It's a heart change that always necessitates a life change. It's a change of mind that requires a change of life. In other words, John the Baptist called these religious leaders on their prideful hypocrisy. He asked them, where is the consistent life change that comes from a repentant heart? Remember, this was at the core of what John the Baptist would call the masses to confess. This fundamental change of attitude or repentance wasn't about what they said with their lips, but about what their life demonstrated. The change is the fruit of repentance. Someone who plants the seeds of legitimate repentance in their heart, the fruit of that repentance will begin to sprout in their life through consistent, integral life change. These Pharisees cloak their inward corruption in the guise of outward godliness, whereas externally they looked like fine whitewashed sepulchers. Inwardly, they were filled with dead men's bones. John says that God would destroy this type of hypocrisy amid the acts of God's judgment. He says that the day is approaching when he would come with the winnowing fork in his hand on the threshing floor of his judgment, and the trash would be burned with fire that would never go out. The reference was undeniable for the Jews. You see, they were an agrarian society that knew the imagery of the harvest all too well. When the farmer took the winnowing shovel on the threshing floor and tossed the wheat in the air, the kernels of grain would fall to the ground and separate from the chaff or the husks that grew along the grain. That chaff would blow around the threshing floor and eventually be gathered and burned with fire because it had no substance or worth. 
it just looked like and grew up alongside the wheat. The threshing floor is always a reference to God's judgment. John is saying that just because you look like wheat doesn't mean you are. And on the day of judgment, there will be a separation between those who bear the weight of repentance and those who just look like wheat but are not. On that day of judgment, the latter will be burned in the fire. John's solution to this problem was to bear the fruit of repentance now. He encourages them to leave the optics of cultural religion and embrace the true daily nature of life change, whereby the miracle of transformational sanctification is enacted. This fruit is demonstrated through systematic life change marked by the recognition of sin and the repentance of it. It is called to become more and more like Christ each day. These marks are the fruits of repentance. Now, as we think about this in our lives, what fruit of repentance are born out in us? If we took away all that we did for God, all the good works, the church attendance, the moral goodness, the money we've given, the years we've served in church, the times we've volunteered to serve in a ministry, what evidence would there be of life change in our lives apart from those things that we did? Are we reading his word? Are we following his commands? Are we repenting of sin? Are we walking in accountability? Are we transforming more into Christ's image? Are we producing fruit consistent with repentance? Do we continually look into God's word and apply it to our lives? Are we continually changing our minds about the practices of our sin? Are we producing lives of fruit that show a change of heart by changing the patterns of our lives? Or do we resemble these religious leaders, proud of our heritage and acts of devotion? Are we proud of ourselves for serving and giving and doing or volunteering with no evidence of time spent with the Lord or no life change to show? Holy Spirit, would you come and grow the fruits of repentance in us? Expose our hypocrisy and help us be submissive to life change. May we bear the resemblance of Jesus and may our lives produce fruit that remains for Jesus' sake. In your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.